Hi, I'm Trudy Dempsey. Welcome to Lead a Horse to Water, the equine podcast for behaviour and training enthusiasts. You can find out more about me and how I could help you with your horse at equine.training. And you can find my online courses at understandhorses.com. My current instructor-led course has already started, but I will be opening it up later in the year. If you're interested, please do get in touch or sign up at Understand Horses to find out more. There are instructor-led and self-study courses already there, so do go along and have a look. On with the podcast. Hi guys, it's Trudy here from sunny Somerset. I don't often get a chance to say that. Here in South Somerset, the sun is shining beautifully and has been for a couple of days after a really, really wet beginning to May, uh, where I had to cancel lots of sessions with clients. Uh, I've been up to my ears in it the last week, just trying to catch up and next week too. Uh, So I hope your life is great wherever I'm reaching you in the world. Uh, And that you're having a sunny time, even if your weather isn't particularly sunny. I've also been really busy because I have my interactive course running at understandhorses.com right now. uh, Improve your positive reinforcement training. And gosh, there's been some light bulb moments already with that, but they're ongoing. And it's so fantastic to get that interaction between those that are doing the training and myself and I'm having a ball I just love that course I've run it before not at Understand Horses and now with Understand Horses and it's just a fantastic course I do get in touch either with Understand Horses or myself if you want to be considered for the next intake it's only a small group um, but if you want to be considered for the next intake which is likely to be in September of 21 so let's have a think about what I want to talk about today and as always I have a bee in my bonnet about something and I get started and then it goes off on a ramble I'm going to try and keep this really tight today she says yeah maybe maybe not but I hope I am going to Uh, one I want to talk about uh, Lima which is least intrusive minimally aversive and that is basically a strategy that I sign up to being certified by the IABC. Um, The other thing I want to have a look at is that all negative reinforcement isn't necessarily bad and that we cannot have the quadrant positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, positive punishment, negative punishment in absolute isolation. There is always an element of other things going on at the same time. So what brought all this on? Well, partly conversations that we've been having as part of the course, but also, uh, you know, doing room hosting for the IABC Lemonade Conference at the beginning of May and meeting some fantastic speakers, room hosting for them, getting to pose people's questions to them. Gosh, so much comes out of that that I feel inspired when I've done that. You can catch that again next February. It's coming round again, and I really, really recommend it. I think this year there were 54 different presentations, each one an hour with at least half an hour Q&A after it. So if you sign up for the early bird price, it's just an incredible value. So certainly have a look out for that. Yes, there's a lot of dog training, but there's also a lot of just behavior. And I think you're missing out if you don't cross species. It's so helpful for, for us all. 
so some of the things that came out of that I find really interesting, especially my friend Lauren Fraser, who is herself a Canadian horse behaviour consultant with IABC. She's great. Try and catch up with her on Instagram and Facebook. She posts some fantastic things and you can keep up with her in either of those two places. And she also has a great website and runs courses at, uh, at understandhorses.com and hopefully will be running a course on her topic that she covered at the Lemonade conference, which was CAT, which is constructional aggression treatment slash training. Things have changed uh, slightly with that. And, and often now we put the H on the end to suggest that it's for horses. Um, so, yeah, that was a really interesting uh, talk. And hopefully you'll be able to catch her course at understandhorses.com on that one. So I'm going to start with a few ideas around Lima, uh, and that's something that I feel quite strongly about as a behaviour consultant with the IAM, IABC. Uh, deciding to behave around that system is, is a personal choice. I don't have to. I don't have to join the IABC. So it, it's a very personal choice. And that acronym of Lima, least intrusive, minimally aversive, describes me and the way that I work as a behaviour consultant. What you have to remember is that least and minimally would a lovely ideal world be zero. You know, zero, zero intrusivity and zero aversive strategy in your training and your behaviour change work. Um, but, you know, the reality is that, that we are working with animals. We're also working with human learners. And so Lima and adhering to it also needs us to continue our education with things like the Lemonade Conference. And we also need to be very skilled at what we do because it is competence based. I can't take a strategy to a client that needs a lot of training if they aren't able to put that training in quickly. And you know, it could take years to be great at some of these concepts. Uh, so I, I might have to choose something that is more effective for that client than I myself might use if I was working with that horse. So, you know, often we can focus purely on the animal's environment. You know, I, I've been to a couple of clients recently where, you know, we're looking at fairly barren environments of a field with electric tape. So I, can, I know I can make a huge difference to that horse's life just by focusing on environment, welfare of that horse. And then I can look at adding either operant or respondent conditioning changes to behaviour that will help that animal. We might look at desensitisation. So if a horse is worried about leaving its friend in the field, we can gradually add distance to that horse and we can add these different strategies as we go. But it is all about getting that environment right at the beginning and making sure, I think it was episode 11, if you want to hop back, that the horse is physically well and able to do the things that we're asking of them. But also just, you know, remembering, I've just mentioned it, but Lima is competence based. You know, it, it's not a casual choice that you can, oh, I think I'll use a little negative here or a little positive here. It really is competence based. So maybe if you're not able to train the thing you want to train, 
using positive reinforcement is because your competence isn't quite there. And in all those situations, and I'm always happy to do this, and I know all, all the other professionals that I work with are happy to do this, to have a chat with you know, a fellow consultant because sometimes just talking through a situation with a, another consultant can make you realize you know where those those boundaries where your competence begins and ends and your experience can help you through things and maybe it's time to pass a case on to somebody who has better experience or better competency competency uh, for that type of client i think one thing that is is always a struggle for us with horses is these are big animals and traditionally we've used you know negative reinforcement use pressure release the pressure for the horse to understand and i think this has worked so well that we really are reluctant to give it up so i've come across quite a lot of people who will say oh i'm lemur because i like the fact it allows me to use negative reinforcement and it doesn't allow you to it's not a you know, smorgasbord of training uh, choices. You know, it, it, it's not just that casual choice, as I say, you, you, it, but it's also not a formula, which I think makes it hard for a lot of people to really get to grips with. So within your competence, you might say, I'm working at Lima, but you can't say I'm working under the banner of Lima yet. You know, I'm working towards it, but my skill base, my competence at the moment is not such that I can train this with positive reinforcement. And you often find that with particularly with show jumping, dressage riding, things that need that little extra that people don't feel able yet to give up their good old pressure and release and negative reinforcement. And I totally understand that. And a lot of the clients that I would go to, I know they're not ready yet. And I've got two learners. I've got a human learner and a horse learner. So I can't push those two beyond a boundary that they're at at the moment. I have to take things really, really slowly. So not only does the horse learner decide what is reinforcing to them, but the human learner does too. And if I'm always pushing for them to use food or to use positive reinforcement in a way that they're not yet on board with, then I'm going to lose that client. So, yeah, there are times when I'm very pragmatic and will work with the best possible negative reinforcement that that person can manage right now. Because if I walk away, what are the alternatives for that horse? And what are the alternatives for that human carer of that horse? So it's very, very difficult. And, and it's also difficult to avoid any personal bias that you might have. So if you came to positive reinforcement, for instance, through a different scenario to me, then you're going to bring your own personal bias along with that. that that's obvious. So I really want to just have a look deeper, a little deeper dig at, at the Lima and discuss that idea of it being competence based and the fact that my bias would be different to your bias and that we all need to bring those biases to the table. I don't want people to be out on the periphery and not invited in. I think it's really important that we move together together you know we're all in this together there's becoming more and more of an emphasis on having a degree uh, to get into behavior and i think 
we miss a massive point here because while you're amassing all that education, very few people are actually out there training. And I know this through people that I mentor and people that I have on my courses, that they don't feel confident to go out there and do consulting because they haven't got enough experience. So I think it's finding a balance in our biases and discussing and being together. And it's been a terrible time because we haven't been able to get together in real life to, to have conferences. Hopefully that's going to change soon. But I think that we bring those biases to the table but we also have to be open and say there are some people out there that are great trainers, some are great academics and work more or less in a lab situation, which is great too. Some people are coming from, from work with charities and they bring something to the table too. We're all working for the benefit of the horse. So, you know, I'm not ruling out bias as, as a, a bad thing, but we need to just be aware that we all have our own. So, yeah, just coming back to the idea of, of Lima being competence based, you know, my competence is different to yours. And where I've come with more of a training background, I, I've used a lot of these methods with horses, with my own horses, with clients, through clinics. And I've also obviously studied a lot of those, but I think unless you've come across an awful lot of cases, your competence might be a little different, you know, depending on the sort of client you have. So if you're only dealing with positive reinforcement trainers yourself, then you're not going to have much competence in helping people come from negative reinforcement to positive reinforcement. And let's face it, a lot of the work we do is actually human based. It's not just about the horse, it's about bringing out the best in the human. So that least intrusive, minimally aversive tag, it, it comes along with the effectiveness of the training and that is based on the competence of the person doing the training. So I might think that I can break down the behaviour like shoulder in uh, under positive reinforcement uh, conditions and I could train that whereas somebody who's never trained either shoulder in because they've never used that as part of their gymnastic training or somebody who has not yet got enough positive reinforcement knowledge to split it and shape it and chain it together so you know, we can be effective but if your training's pretty limited on it you're going to have the potential for behavioral fallout so against the effectiveness you've got that behavioral fallout on the other side of the equation and i know people often talk about resilience oh i need my horse to build resilience and and you know them getting it wrong or using a bit of negative reinforcement helps them deal with the tougher situations that they find themselves in but you know for me i find that's absolutely the opposite and i think this applies also to consultants and to clients we're all in the same ballpark. I don't think I learn by getting things wrong. I learn by getting them right. And so I think sharing information, as I'm seeing happen a lot more lately, is a fantastic thing. Uh, and I think we need to do more and more of it so that we can all learn how to be effective and we can all have a go at it. Uh, there's this sort of an idea that, you know, if you aren't a certain type of person, you can't take a certain case. So you know, being able to shadow people on cases that you wouldn't normally come across is going to be mind expanding. You know, and certainly for me, you know, at my age, going out and doing something like the IABC Lemonade Conference room host, you know, it's it was terrifying last year when I did it the first time. 
the technology terrifies me. I can talk to anybody. I'm comfortable you know, with a screen and I'm happy to talk people through their question and answers. But oh, all those buttons and the fact that you could press the wrong one and wouldn't have a recording afterwards or, you know, it's quite scary. And challenging myself to do those things, but within an environment uh, for instance, at the IABC, where where we were given so much training to do it and asked to, you know, have dry runs so many times if we wanted to, to just feel comfortable. And then this year they added a second room host who just checked the chat and did all the, the little technical bits in the chat for people. It lightened the load of, of the room host. And, and so to me, I know that resilience does not come through me making mistakes. And I don't think we should expect that of either our horses that we train or consultants or clients. So, you know, it's always looking at the balance of effectiveness. So if you have a client who is trying to change behavior and they have no knowledge of positive reinforcement, you're not going to go in there and give them difficult shaping and chaining uh, training to do because they're going to fall at the first hurdle and then you get that fallout for the horse and it's not at all effective. So I'm always looking, what is effective for me? What could I do? Could I look at a branch system, which I often do, where I will train the horse myself with positive reinforcement and the client will carry on, but be very aware. They'll start to observe behavior. They'll start to learn how to set up environments that work. And then very gradually, the two will come together and I will encourage the owner to take over the positive reinforcement once they've got a grasp of how this is going to help their horse. So for them, it's not, not a case of, oh, you have to abandon everything else, never ride your horse until you can do this. You know, I'm coming part way to meet them. And I think that's something that we absolutely have to do. There's no point ever in setting a bar so high that your client can't even reach up and touch it with their fingertips. There are so many things you can do, so many ways you can encourage a client to get involved with the process by making better situations for their horse to live in, giving them better environments to live in. And so once they start to see the benefits of that, then they really do want to adopt a lot of the other things that you're offering them, like positive reinforcement. So Lima is very much the competence of the person you're training, the ability of that animal that they're training to work with food or positive reinforcement and doing what is best at the right time. And a good consultant is going to weigh that up. They're going to follow some sort of decision making process that leads them to a point where they say, yes, I can do this or no, I can't do it this way. And at the conference, Lauren talked, particularly Lauren Fraser, uh, talked about using something called CAT, C-A-T, Oh, we love all these, don't we? Um, and CAT is Constructional Aggression Treatment. Some people nowadays refer to it as training. And it gets an H popped on the end of it when used for horse. But the this, this system is the same. If you want to read up more, you can have a look at uh, Kelly Snyder. Uh, oh, I'm just going to try and think of the name of her book. Uh, turning, turning Fierce Dogs Friendly. Turning Fierce Dogs Friendly, I think that is Kelly's book, um, and that's where she talks about the process and the process of CAT, Constructional Aggression Treatment, is 
that the animal gets a reinforcer that allows them space. So the space away from the thing that they find tricky. So if they're scared of a certain area in the arena, and most horses have that area, you don't march on down there and flood them and say, get on with it, this is life. You find a baseline figure first and you walk around the arena just observing your horse and seeing where they're comfortable. And the moment you see the minimal, tiniest, tiniest change in their body language that suggests that you are hitting close by to the threshold of where they're comfortable, you say, okay, this is it, and you stop. And when that horse loses all those signs that that might be an anxious place for them, you walk away. So in return for becoming more able to deal with that area, the horse gets a reinforcer of space from that thing. It might be clippers. I'm currently writing up a case study on clippers that I will be sharing via, hopefully, if it gets accepted via the IABC journal, where proximity to the clippers is something that the horse starts to be able to control through CAT. And yes, it is a negative reinforcement protocol. And I want to be really certain here that we understand that all reinforcement can get mixed up. Some things that we think are reinforcers might be punishers. If we're not seeing more of the behavior, guys, it's punishment. <laughs> you know, if we are, if it's staying the same or getting better or more of or longer of the behavior, yes, we're using reinforcement. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't mean always that it's positive reinforcement. And, you know, th these things are banded around and they're made to seem like they're very simple and very clean and in their own little boxes. But the reality is that they are not. And so just being always aware that our horse is under several different conditions. If we're looking at operant conditioning, yes, maybe we're adding a sweetie, you know, a, a piece of carrot, an apple or something when that horse does the thing that we want them to do. But for instance, if you're taking your horse out that has been suffering from separation anxiety and you want to work on distance from home and you take them one step and you click, reinforce them with food, and then you turn away and go home again and take another attempt at that same one step, you have to think about that. Was that purely positive reinforcement? Or did distance from home being reduced again by turning and going home, did that reinforce it? Taking the pressure off leaving home by going back home, negative reinforcement. Could that have been going on at the same time? Well, yes, of course it can. And I'm really frustrated when people like to make it. Oh, that was positive. No, no, it can be negative. If somebody's really bad at food handling, very bad at timing, there's not a lot of positive reinforcement going on. And I see a lot of very muddled reinforcement happening. And, you know, food can cause a lot of frustration. Uh, you know, counter conditioning can cause frustration. There's a scary thing and let's just feed it. Let's give loads of food when that scary thing happens. You know. um, can that mask the unwanted behavior of wanting to get away from the thing that they're scared about? You know, maybe that thing can appear in that animal's uh, environment when you're not there and there's no food being thrown at it. You know, if there's still pain 
Will adding food make any difference to it? No, of course it won't. So I, I want us to open our hearts, open our minds to the idea that there is more going on. And just because you wear a food bag and you use a clicker or a bridge does not necessarily make you a positive reinforcement trainer. And that all forms of negative reinforcement aren't bad. You know, I'm not suggesting for one minute you go around pulling on ropes and kicking horses. No way. You know, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that's not what I'm about. But it's about meeting your two learners. If you're a consultant, if you're a trainer, it's about learning your two learners where they are and trying to develop an intercourse that can work for both of them. And that can mean looking at lots of different scenarios. So the thrust of the podcast was, can we have a quick look at Lima and let people know that it's okay not to say I'm not yet a Lima trainer or behaviour consultant. It's absolutely okay to say I'm working towards this. I still have areas of my training that I'm not yet that perfectly happy with. And to say, you know, that that's my goal. So maybe calling yourself Lima orientated rather than you are a Lima trainer and remembering that it isn't a casual choice of, oh, I think I might. I'll have a little bit of this. It's always about your competence, the effectiveness of the operation that you're going to carry out. Who's doing the training? How can they what can they train and can they use positive reinforcement without any behavioural fallout so that it is effective and understanding that that's how Lima works. It's not a pick and choose smorgasbord of training methods. Um, so that that's a one part I wanted to really just keep banging that home. Sorry, I know I go on when I've got a bee in my bonnet, but also you know, remembering that to say, oh, I only use positive. I'm a pure positive trainer. The world is not like that. But that doesn't mean I'm telling you, oh, I can pick and choose a bit of negative reinforcement. No, you always go out to try and use positive reinforcement. But in every scenario that you train in, there way may well be some gray areas, some lines that get crossed. And that, that just to be aware of them and to stop anybody standing on some pedestal and thinking that they're better than anybody else because they say that they're purely positive. Yeah, I know it's something we all need to aim for, but accepting people with their natural biases and coming together and really talking honestly and from the heart about this, I think is a massively important thing and and something that we need to talk more and more of. And I want to look at this more in detail as I go through the next season. Um, I'm probably going to take a bit of a break, perhaps another couple of podcasts coming up and then I'll have a little break and get back to it. So in the following season, I certainly want to dig down into some of these concepts. So if you have any Lima questions, if you have any points of view and you'd like to talk to me about them, if you'd love to come on the podcast and talk about them, that would be great too. Do you think it's a casual choice that you can pick and choose from and why why am I seeing it differently? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to talk about that. I think it would make a great conversation. Remember, if you don't have that competence yet, that you can go out there and you can 
work with other trainers and you can look at other trainers work and you can discuss it do not ever feel that because you're new to it that you can't have an opinion and that you can't ask questions I, I welcome questions and even if I can't answer them straight away you know I love to be tested and, and go through it in my mind and think where am I going with this and why do I want to do it this way and you know if, if I can take you along for that ride too then I'm really happy to I'm often asked, so does this mean you don't think we should ride horses? Well, you know, it's a difficult one. I'm not really sure where I stand on it. A lot of the people that I help ride horses. They do ride horses and they want to ride horses. And my aim is to make life better for those horses and safer for those people. And to bring understanding of why things happen. To mainly bring an understanding of when we look at horses reading that horse reading the behavior of that horse as a conversation and sometimes as a cry for help sometimes i think horses should not be ridden absolutely but i do see potential in you know allowing a horse choice to be ridden and that being a thing but you know it does worry me about when we look at competition and the pressure that puts on the, the human as well as the horse and whether we can truly, truly say that that is a thing that is in the interest of our horse. I'm not sure, uh, but, you know, I'm constantly reassessing and I hope that these podcasts make you think a little bit and dig down into your own feelings. I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think there are just different ways of looking at it and people have different ideas about the ethics of everything but I do want to get together with everyone and you know just keep the conversation open so do get in touch if you have any thoughts and I hope I'll see you on the next one as always keep in touch bye Thanks for listening in to Leader Horse to Water. It's been great to have you along. If you have any questions or suggestions for the podcast, drop me a message. Find me on Facebook at Leader Horse to Water. And don't forget, follow us on your favourite platform for listening so that you don't miss an episode. See you again soon.